0: It's time to raise your voice. It's time to be heard. Because everything counts. Everything matters. Good news. Christian values. Alabama's Christian Talk Radio. With Greg Davis. Priority Talk.
1: And we are live here at Priority Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nate Williams. I have Stuart in the studio. Y'all make sure to be listening in these next two hours, but uh, before we get rolling, Stuart, I just want to check in with you. How are you doing? Doing good today, man. Doing good. And I guess as the as the months go by, I realize, Stuart, that there is a major tragedy going to happen in the future. Do you, do you know what that tragedy is? Uh,
2: Football's going to be gone? There will be a time without college football. I know. It's, and I feel like it's the short, it's like my favorite sport, but it's the shortest. And it it's seems- really unfortunate.
1: Yeah, you're you're right. It's very short. So, anyways, we won't think those negative thoughts right now, and so we will move on to other topics. But yeah, my name's Nate Williams. Greg Davis is out traveling. He's out doing a lot of a lot of good things, and so we'll make sure to be praying for him as he's out on the road. And let's see. Let's jump in for today. We have a lot of good stuff. We're gonna talk about various aspects of uh, Christian discipleship and growth. How do we grow as Christians? And and then in the second hour, I welcome on my my senior pastor from my local church, Rev John Richter. And so we're going to have a conversation in the second hour about pastoral ministry and give you a peek behind the curtain. And so that's going to be great. That's going to be in the second hour. So don't go anywhere. A lot of good stuff. And so before we get to our topic for the first hour, which is Christian growth, Christian discipleship, let's talk a little bit about the news. And so on the Christian Post by uh, Abby Johnson. There's an article titled, Why Mobile Abortion Clinics? are a terrible idea. So we know that recently the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, and there was a lot of people that were scrambling. As someone who is very, very pro-life, I'm not going to lie. I I didn't know if Roe v. Wade was going to fall in my lifetime, but I was moving, you know, to try to make it happen in my local circles, and I know countless people across the country were doing the same. And, well, it It happened. Roe v. Wade was overturned and it caught a lot of people not prepared. And so, what happens now? What happens now? Well, there was an idea floated to have abortion camps on federal land. So for instance, if you were visiting the Grand Canyon, this is the example that the article gives on the Christian Post. Uh, If you were visiting the Grand Canyon, maybe you could have an abortion there. And so that didn't go over well. People didn't like it, and so they didn't go for it. But there were other strategies being pursued by those who are pro-choice or pro-abortion. And one of them is that Planned Parenthood and Announced that in the fall so I guess that would be now I guess in the fall Planned Parenthood would be using an abortion bus to help women in pro-life states obtain abortions so if you can imagine this instead of an abortion clinic maybe you've seen a Planned Parenthood here and there in cities and neighborhoods and places wherever they are instead of a stand standing clinic it would be on a bus or a van, whatever that would look like. I'm not sure yet. And so in this article, uh, I, I'm just telling you these things so you, that you can be aware of what people are trying to do. So in this article, Abby Johnson, who once, let's see, she once worked for Planned Parenthood, and now she is very pro-life. They, she talks about some of the problems there. And so again, I'll read from the article. Let's start on the privacy aspect. Abortion RVs or buses will not have space for a big waiting area, so women will be forced to wait in their cars or outdoors, compromising patient privacy. It gets worse on the recovery aspect as well. Abortion clinics typically have a separate recovery room for women after they've had their abortions where they provide crackers and juice and then send them away, or take care of them if they have life-threatening bleeding, which absolutely happens. In an abortion bus, where will these women wait to make sure they are okay before they're sent on their way? There is no mention of a recovery room. What if there are complications? Because abortion is a procedure, it impacts the body, what if there are complications, as will sometimes happen? Right now, these abortion buses will travel the border of Illinois, which border five states, three of which have stringent bans on abortion. There will be towns that are more rural. Where will the medical, medical care be if something goes wrong during the abortion? How far away will the nearest hospital be? What happens if something goes wrong after the woman returns home following an abortion? Where will the doctor be that did the abortion? These are so many questions, excuse me, there are so many questions that must be answered. The other big concern about Planned Parenthood's abortion bus is cleanliness. If you've ever browsed CheckMyClinic.com, you know that abortion clinics are not the most sanitary places on the planet. It's not uncommon to find reports of rusty and stained equipment, equipment that has not been properly sanitized being used from woman to woman, blood-stained chairs and tables, improper disposal of waste, expired medications, improper storage of narcotics, narcotics. The list goes on. There have also been several instances of failure to report, um, you know, SA uh, and to keep accurate records. So when something, you know, terrible happens, criminal happens in this area, there have been instances of failure to report these things. And so abortion clinics like Planned Parenthood make money through abortions and do everything they can to get women in and out as quickly as possible. And so that's why, y'all, something I want to pause quickly this is now me talking plan parenthood at its core is a business it is a business that tries to make money it makes money off of uh, abortions and so the goal is with Planned Parenthood to have as many abortions as possible to make it as easy and quick to have an abortion because there's more money and so Planned Parenthood will disguise their purposes to be like oh we care about women well the priority is money and they often won't give you or they won't tell you about other options they're there they might not refer you to pregnancy clinics or other resources where your baby might be saved or anything like that the goal is abortions because the goal is to make money which is why it's very much a double uh, what is it called a conflict of interest there we go it is a conflict of interest to have uh, this is a separate topic but we've talked about it on this show in the past Planned Parenthood providing sexual education curriculum That is such a conflict of interest. And in this curriculum, they want women, they want girls to be sexually active. Why? Well, then you're going to get more abortions. You get more abortions. Planned Parenthood makes more money. So why we're allowing Planned Planned Parenthood, if I could speak English, to provide sexual education curriculum when there is so obvious such an obvious conflict of interest there, I will never know. And so these are just things, again, I want y'all to, uh, to be aware of. And, uh, the solution to this is meeting women where they are and helping them with whatever it is they need that they believe is forcing them to choose abortion this can be as simple as being a listening ear again I'm reading the article this is the last paragraph or paying for new tires so that they can go to work or as complicated as finding them housing and child care my ministry loveline does that for women and their families our caseload and donations have more than tripled since Roe was overturned and we are more than happy to to be that source of support for women. They deserve better than abortion, especially abortion in a traveling bus that leaves them worse off and in the dust. Again, this is a Christian Post article by Abby Johnson. Why mobile abortion clinics are a terrible idea. So get ready for abortion buses. Y'all make sure to call in if you have any thoughts, you want to talk about abortion. Well, what do you think about this? Uh, what are other methods that maybe you've heard about? We need to stay educated, stay informed. Y'all make sure to call in at 205 941 Well, we have a couple more news articles on the other side of this break. This is Priority Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nate Williams, WXJC. We will be right back.
0: Priority Talk.
3: One Point USA is a security company serving churches and businesses in the state of Alabama. Don't wait until something happens to protect your employees and your valuable property. One Point USA's experienced staff understands your security needs and wants to help you before a problem arises. From video surveillance to card access control and commercial security systems, One Point USA has got you covered. Call One Point USA today at 205-701-0191. That's 205-701-0191 or visit onepointusa.com. That's the number one pointusa.com. One point USA. Be secure. Greg Davis here, and I want to remind you of Priority Talk's longest-running advertiser. And that's today's family dentistry, your friendly dental practice conveniently located in downtown Cullman. Make your appointment to see Dr. David Kim, Dr. Key Tan, or Dr. Stephanie Young, along with an experienced and certified team of dental technicians, along with a friendly staff, I might add, who serve both children and adults with a wide range of dental services. That includes general and restorative care, along with the cosmetic enhancements to meet all of your family's dental needs. Today's Family Dentistry accepts Medicaid for children under 21, Blue Cross Blue Shield All Kids, and most commercial insurances. Give them a call today and make your appointment. 256 739 3337. That's today's family dentistry located in downtown Coleman. Call today and make your appointment 256 739 3337. Today's family dentistry in downtown Coleman.
0: Are you listening or just joined us? Guess what? It's time to call Greg at 205 941 1011.
3: Birmingham. This is David Barton with Wall Builders. Thanks for listening to Priority Talk with Greg Davis. Good stuff.
2: We sing the same song, you and, I.
1: and welcome back live to Priority Talk Radio. I am your host for tonight, Nate Williams. Stewart's in the studio with me. Greg Davis is out traveling, and so we are having a good time. We talked a little bit in the last section about abortion buses, a new... uh, Tactic by Planned Parenthood to potentially take abortions into more pro-life states. And so we want that to not be a thing. Definitely. I'm just saying that to make you aware and uh, make sure, y'all, if you if you miss any part of the show. You can listen to it on our podcast, Priority Talk. It's on Apple, Spotify, other places. Follow us on social media at Priority Talk, Instagram, Facebook, and y'all can stay up to date. Now, there's something troubling that's going on in our world when it comes to abortion. And sometimes you'll read something, and uh, this is on Life News. This was an article in 2020. And European. Uh, here it goes. Uh, European nations are quote, eliminating unquote Down syndrome by aborting babies who have it. Now this is not new news but sometimes you'll hear this about the the, the advances of Western society and we are doing away with certain illnesses and certain whatever you, you might call it, disabilities, deformities. Wow, aren't we so advanced? And it is the stupidestest, I'm sure that's a word, I'm very edumacated. The the silliest thing, uh, silly, I don't want to use the word there the dumbest thing the dumbest thing and uh, there's an article that just talks about this and it explains why so few children with down syndrome are being born across the world and basically i'll make it real simple for you Uh, for example uh, denmark 95 percent of unborn babies diagnosed with down syndrome are aborted and so that's that What other numbers are there? I think it said, oh yeah, uh, the rate in France was 77% in 2015, 90% in the UK, and 67% in the United States. Why is this the dumbest thing I've ever heard? Well, let me put it this way. I have brown hair, so I'll use an example about myself, just so I don't offend more people than I have to. Imagine me going around and saying, wow, I have eliminated all the brown haired people in the world. But what I actually did was just killed everyone with brown hair. Did I like, is that the right way of putting it? If I was like, okay, I am a male. So again, I'll use that example. I went around the world and I have eliminated all males. Look at me. You know what I just did? I killed all the males out there. And, And so that's not eliminating Down syndrome. That's just saying, oh, if you have it, you're,
2: you're, you're dead. We're going to abort you. It's like saying you cured the, pure, the the poor, but you just killed all the poor people. <laughs> I should not have laughed at that, but that's a
1: great <laughs> example. Yeah, you know, it's like, oh, wow, we solved the problem of poverty, and that's by killing all the poor people. Now, so so when you hear certain things like that about how advanced certain nations are, just don't fall for it. We want to love our children with Down syndrome. We want to see how beautiful they are, the way that God made them. And so off of that, I have a story from the Alabama Baptist. Now, before I get to this story, I want to uh, reference my wife real quick. Sometimes she'll talk to me after I've been on the show. And she's like, Nate, sometimes the stories can just get real negative. Like, there's a lot of bad news out there. And my, my thought to that is this. Yes, a lot of the news is negative, And you're like, well, I want to have a positive story here and there. I get that. So I'm going to try to do better at giving you positive stories because there's a lot to celebrate. A lot of people are doing a lot of good things. But I think you listen to the radio or at least this kind of show at Priority Talk. Well, you want to get the priorities. What's going on in culture? Uh, What are we reading in our Bibles that can speak to culture? You know, what what about our faith? Uh, We go to church, right? We're Christians, we walk with God. And how is that reflected by the way that we live? And how should we respond to what's going on in the culture? And so get educated here and other places. There are lots of good podcasts and shows on, go get educated. But then, yes, sometimes it can be negative turn off the TV or get off social media from time to time, go outside, play some music, uh, go be with your family and friends, and then go get uplifted. And so we need to be balanced. And so we don't want to stick our heads in the sand, you know, la, 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 nothing's going on in the world. That's not wise. But at the same time, you don't want to only hear negative things because that'll get you down. And so for a positive story, from the Alabama Baptist, this was uh, today, ice cream truck dreams turn into ministry for families of children with Down syndrome. And I'll read uh, the story for you, just bits and pieces. I won't read the whole thing. Michelle Norwood says on a much smaller scale, she might know a little bit of what Noah felt like. For her, it wasn't an ark. It was an ice cream truck. I had seen one for maybe three minutes in my life, she recalled. I was visiting my sister in Memphis one summer, and we walked out, and I bought the kids an ice cream. But in 2017, Norwood said she woke up uh, one night after, uh, excuse me, she woke up night after night at 2 a.m., and God started to speak to her about how. To build one uh, moving down a little bit it was a new thought but the purpose behind it had been norwood's in norwood's mind and heart for years hunter Norwood and her husband Anthony's middle child was born with Down syndrome, and from the beginning she was invested in the journey of helping him achieve God's purpose. And so they go on to uh, eventually you know, have the ice cream truck. God showed me how to build it, Norwood recalled. We built it from an old FedEx truck, and God put just the right people in our path to direct us and help us. In 2019, they launched their new ministry, A Little Something Extra Ice Cream. That something extra refers to the additional chromosome that characterizes Down syndrome. But it refers to other things too, Norwood said. Hunter has strengths that I don't have. Just like the body of Christ, God creates us all to glorify him. And we all don't have the same talents. We all don't have the same gifts. And so uh, this was uh, the point of this was to help people with Down syndrome. And they, uh, they go on and they get trained and they learn how to work in certain environments. And it's really encouraging. So, friends, when it comes to various situations, those with Down syndrome, those who are going through various things, suffering through various things, the answer is not to kill them. That's not what we want to do. Let's use our creativity to help the families around us who might be struggling, might be suffering. And this is where the church can play such a vital role. The church can do so much. We can help those around us. And so sometimes I don't blame women who are struggling and they're wondering, what are my options? there was this pregnancy that I have and I don't know what to do. And we want to show compassion. We want to show love. And it's not loving to anyone to just abort someone because they're not wanted. And I think this story does a beautiful job of illustrating, and I'll have more details on this after the break, just how to view things differently. Let's be creative. God used us. God gave us the ability to draw, create, um, view things in a new way. Let's use our community connections. We have business owners out there. We have people on the radio like yours truly. We have people all over pastors and politicians let's band together let's get creative and let's serve those who are maybe not as blessed as other people whether it's with mental abilities physical abilities whatever they might be Uh, the solution is not abortion And we want to trumpet the goodness of God through stories like this where God is moving, God is glorified, people are helped and served and loved. That's what we're after here at Priority Talk. And one of the things that I can do with this, uh, I guess with this radio show, Greg Davis does a great job as well. We can tell the world about how good God is and the many blessings he's given us that we can then share with others. Well, friends, we are now In the middle of the first hour, we have much more on the way. We're going to talk about Christian growth, uh, Christian ways of uh, growing closer to God. This is Priority Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nate Williams. We will be right back.
4: The UAB football season is in full swing and tickets are on sale now to see your Blazers in action at Protective Stadium. Visit UABsports.com to grab your tickets and stay updated on all of the latest information about upcoming games, great promotions, and deals for the whole family. Single-game tickets start at just $20. Grab your seats today at UABsports.com. Don't miss a minute of the action. UAB Blazer football tickets on sale now at UABsports.com. UAB football. Win is won.
2: And now, back to Priority Talk with Greg Davis. My
0: life be like...
1: We are back live. Y'all make sure to call in 205-941-1011. This is Priority Talk Radio, WXJC. I'm your host, Nate Williams, and I'm glad to be with y'all tonight. Uh, For our second hour, we've been talking about a lot of good stuff, and that continues in the second hour when I will be welcoming On Rev. John Richter, my senior pastor from Coleman, Alabama, and we'll be talking about pastoral ministry. So y'all stay tuned in, lots of good stuff. And so continuing our story a little bit about the ice cream truck, well, what happens is they want those with Down syndrome, And uh, other exceptionalities, Uh, maybe I just made up a word. But anyways, they go through training, going to the article from the Alabama Baptist. They go through training, and we teach them financial literacy, product knowledge, mock transactions, and how to greet customers, Norwood said. At the end, they graduate to pomp and circumstance and get a a diploma showing that they're an ice cream expert. I also want these parents to see their children succeed and graduate as an ice cream expert, expert, Norwood said. It's been very empowering for the families and, of course, for the ice experts. And uh, they even have a contract with Auburn University, where Hunter's older sister Hope is a student, and the University of Alabama for the football season. And so again, I just want, sometimes news can be so negative. And I get it. And unfortunately, there's a place for negative news because we need to stay up to date. As as wise Christians, we want to know what's going around in the world so that we can love people well. However, we also need to share some positive news stories from time to time. And I think this is one. This ministry is expanding. So far, A Little Something Extra ice cream has trained 28 young adult ice cream experts across Alabama and Georgia. In May, they launched their second truck through ARC I don't know if that's ARC or ARC of DeKalb County with 40 trained ice cream experts who work the truck and in community based employment another family is planning to launch the ministry's third truck in the Madison County area in the spring Norwood said and I think this is incredible so y'all make sure to get some ice cream if you're able to you see the truck going around again it'll be at Auburn and Alabama what a great ministry. And so we want to be people of life and joy and opportunities. And I can't think of anything greater than that. And so for the first hour, that does it for our news. And we're going to talk about our, a, a topic going into, I, I guess, for the rest of the first hour. And that's Christian spiritual growth. Have you ever been to church sometimes and you look around and maybe you have a Bible, maybe you don't, and you kind of feel like, is this it? Being part of a local church is wonderful. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to get some hate mail, hate emails and messages. Don't do that. Hear me out. Being a Christian is great. God loves us. He saved us. We're so thankful and blessed being a part of a local church is great going there on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night, whenever you, you, whenever you go, that's also wonderful. But sometimes do you look around and you feel like maybe your faith isn't growing. You really don't know what to do. You were led to the altar, so to speak. You were saved. You committed your life to Christ. And then you kind of look around and you ask, well, is this it? Friends, let's talk about spiritual growth a little bit. We are not meant to just stay saved, if I can put it that way, where you make a decision for Christ and then you're left hanging, you're left isolated and alone, and you wonder, man, I guess, do I just float around for the rest of my life? No, we want to grow as Christians, but how do we do that? Sometimes we're not taught. It's kind of implied to get involved in your local church and hear me out. Go do those things. Children's ministry, youth group leaders, greeters, administrators, pastors, elders, deacons, all of that's wonderful. But also, don't forget your personal walk with Jesus. There are what's called classical disciplines that you can engage in that will help you to walk closer to God. And so I'm thinking of a book like Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. I'm thinking of uh, books like that where there are ways to grow closer to God. Now, hear me out. I'm not saying it's like money where if you study your Bible for 15 minutes, you get 15 holy dollars. And then you say, all right, God, I studied my Bible today. I'm going to cash in this holy money for a day of peace and rest. And so you owe me, God, because I read my Bible. And if I read my Bible, then you owe me a good day or you owe me a happy marriage or something. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. But it's through these disciplines that God transforms us to be more like Jesus. I'm thinking of Philippians 1. Philippians 3, I'm thinking of uh, 2 Timothy, where where, where we read about us becoming more like Christ. And when it comes to our personal relationship with Jesus, yes, there are benefits. I'm glad to be going to heaven, aren't you? Uh, Sure. Yes, that there are various things like that that are benefits, but the best benefit is our relationship with God. We worship our creator. And then from there, there are other benefits that come from that. But above all, we get to know and love our savior. And so we want to be transformed to be more and more like Jesus, to be more and more like him. And these disciplines help us to do that. And so what are the disciplines? There aren't exhaustive lists out there. You, people have different lists, you read them. Um, if you look online, the spiritual disciplines of Christianity, you you'll have different lists, but you think of reading your Bible and praying, right? Those are two Christian disciplines that are very important. We want to read our Bible. We want to read our Bible in a couple different ways. One, I think of devotional reading. When I read my devotions in the morning, I'm not necessarily thinking, oh, man, I'm going to dive in some super deep theology, I'm going to do some language study, I'm going to look up however many commentaries, I'm going to do a deep dive. No, that's, that's study, study, and that has its place. But with devotionals, we want to orient our day around our Savior, right? We want to orient our life around the God we worship. And devotionals are a great way of starting out with Bible reading. Uh, oftentimes, you'll have uh, different writers of the devotional, maybe uh, some, a couple good thoughts and a prayer that you pray. And it kind of gets your day started off on the best footing, which is worship. All of our lives are worship, and so we want to worship him every day with all that we do. And so that's devotions. And then on top of devotions, you will have a Bible study, right? And with this, we all have, I I, I get this, maybe some of us are busy. There were times when I was in seminary, I worked two jobs, and uh, I also went to uh, school full time. Some of us have just different uh, uh, availabilities when it comes to free time, I'm not pointing the finger at you, but we also want to, as we can, study the Word of God. So this is where maybe you read chapters of the Bible. Maybe you read themes of the Bible. You might say, in this season of my life. I want to study the grace of God, or maybe in this season of life I want to look at maybe biblical history, and so you might read First and Second Kings, or may, you might read Acts. You might maybe in this season of life I want to read apocalyptic literature, prophetic literature. So you might read Revelation, Isaiah, Jeremiah. You 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 have themes or Bible books, whatever, and with that, you want to maybe take a little bit more time study. It wouldn't help to have various tools like commentaries or a study Bible. And so I would encourage you to make time for this as well. So you have devotionals and studying the word as you're able to. Again, I'm not pointing the finger. This is not to get you into heaven or to make you holier than thou, but what what are the disciplines trying to do? Well, it's through the disciplines that the Holy Spirit changes us. To become more like Jesus and that's the goal we want to be more like Christ to love him more deeply to enjoy our relationship with him and the disciplines are the means that God has given us to go and do that and then after a bible reading we have prayer there are lots of different types of prayer out there I am no master of prayer but one acronym that always helped me was acts And so Acts, you had adoration. So when you pray, you want to adore God. You want to praise him. So you might pray, Heavenly Father, thank you for your greatness, your love, your majesty. And then from there, you have confession. Uh, Remember, Jesus Christ has paid it all, all to him I owe. Uh, We were stained crimson, friends, with our sin. We were stained crimson, but what did Jesus do? He washed it. White as snow. And so we want to confess our sins and we want to tell God, you know, Lord, thank you for saving me and forgiving me. Here are the sins that I've done. Help me to live righteously and obey you and uh, return me to righteous living. Then after that, you have the T. So this is the ACTS acronym T is Thanksgiving. And so you also want to thank God for all that He's done. Friends, did you pay your bills this last month? Praise Him. Friends, uh, does God give you a job and a car? Praise Him. Has God given you a family? Wow. God is so good to us, even though we don't deserve it, do we? And so then you have thanksgiving. Then also you have supplication. You have supplication. And this is where, with our prayers, we beg God, we petition Him for things on our mind. Lord, uh, please help me with this, that, the other. Lord, so- and so is suffering with uh, suffering with sicknesses, illnesses, injuries. Uh, my neighbor lost his job. Lord, bless them, be with them, help them. And so as we pray, I'm not saying that's the only model, but that could be something you use, acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, or find something that maybe works for you. And so just spend time in prayer. Pray as you're driving. And so when you, uh, as you're listening, pray now. Don't close your eyes if you're driving. Uh-uh, no car accidents. But uh, just thank God for for how good he is. Or when you get home, thank him for a safe trip. And so we need to be a people of prayer. God is always moving and prayer helps us to be aware of the ways, ways that he's moving and to pray for him to, uh, you know, pray, uh, Pray to him that he continues to move in great ways, as we know he always will. Well, friends, uh, we are heading towards the end of this first hour. And y'all don't go anywhere because we're going to continue to talk about spiritual growth and the disciplines on the other side of this break. This is Priority Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nate Williams. We will be right back.
0: Priority Talk.
2: Scale your business with a dedicated team of experts. A marketing vendor focuses on profit. A marketing partner focuses on your business. With Dot Edison, there is no more taking, only serving. Feel great about your marketing with Dot Edison. Call them at 205-332-3728 or go to their website at dotedison.com.
3: This is Greg and I want you to know about my friend Jeff Harding and Alabama Reliable Roofing. Your local roofing expert since 1998, Alabama Reliable Roofing provides residential and commercial clients with exceptional roofing services. Jeff and his experienced team are well equipped to provide repairs and installations of shingle and metal roofs. Look, I know the importance of a roof and that it's one of the biggest investments you make in your home place of business, or church facilities. Alabama Reliable Roofing understands this as well and has the experience to work with your insurance company in case of storm damage. So whether your roof has suffered from storm damage and needs repairs, or it just may be time for a new roof, you need an inspection to determine the next steps. Company owner Jeff Harding is waiting on your phone call and will be personally involved with every job. Call him at 205-369-9630 for a no obligation conversation and a free estimate. Look at their work on the Alabama Reliable Roofing Facebook page and then call Jeff at 205-369-9630. Alabama Reliable Roofing, 205-369-9630.
2: Hey everybody, this is David Edwards and you're listening to Birmingham's number one Christian talk show, Priority Talk, with my good friend, Greg Davis. Ocean, I'm ankle deep. I feel the waves crashing on my feet.
1: And we are back live at Priority Talk. I'm your host, Nate Williams, with Stuart in the studio. We are coming to the end of the first hour, but don't you worry, we have another hour for you. In the second hour, I am welcoming on my senior pastor, Rev. John Richter. Uh, we, uh, Our local church is in Coleman, Alabama, and we'll be talking about pastoral ministry and his thoughts, a little bit of behind the scenes and uh, a lot of interesting stuff. So y'all stay tuned in. And so I'm going to continue talking about what we've been talking about on this first hour, which is growing in our walk with God. And so I'm talking about the disciplines. I've talked about Bible reading. I've talked about prayer. But there are other disciplines we should partake of. One is celebration. As Christians, we should not be doom and gloom. We of all people should not be doom and gloom. It does not matter who's elected in 2022. It does not matter who's elected in 2024 because we worship a king on the throne of this world. That's Jesus Christ. And so our jobs don't change day to day. We are to love God and love each other that's why we're here it does not matter who's the president let's go out and love somebody and let's share the gospel so we need to celebrate on sundays we celebrate uh, the greatness of jesus and the gospel and the resurrection Uh, when you get a promotion go celebrate i tell i have a lot of friends in college and after they've submitted a paper i make sure to ask them hey Have you celebrated today? And they're like, well, I just submitted a paper. And I'm like, who cares? It's a great thing. It's over and done with. And you did good. Have you had a good week? Go celebrate. We need to be a people who celebrate. Why? Because God has blessed us with so much. And so we need to get back to that. So that's a discipline. Practice celebrating all the good things in your life and the good people in your life. We talk about sometimes uh, marriage problems, but we know our spouses are incredible people. Go celebrate your spouse. Thank God for them. Uh, Let's see, our kids. Okay, I get it. Yes, kids make us crazy. Sure. But thank God for... The little rascals, their blessings. So celebration is another discipline. And see, what else is there? Silence and solitude. We live in an amazingly busy world where schedules, you can fill up your schedule so fast. But do we practice silence and solitude? Do you have a peaceful place that you can go to? Maybe for a few minutes, an hour, an afternoon, a day, we need time alone and in solitude. And so then, so that's a discipline we need to practice, but also we need to practice gathering in community. Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it well I think it was his book Life Together I'm not quoting verbatim but the thought is uh, we need to practice being together and being alone there are some of us that can really only be alone and we don't like being with people and then there are others of us that we can only really be with people and we hate being by ourselves we need to be well-rounded whole Christians and practice both there's beauty in silence and solitude. There is beauty gathering together as a community. And so I know Hebrews talks about that, and uh, we have the church. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians, a gathering of believers. We need to practice both. What are some other disciplines? Uh, one comes to mind, and this is very convicting because there is fasting. Friends, I don't know your thoughts on fasting, but it's important that we do it. Now, I do have a medical disclaimer only fast if you physically can some of us should not be fasting we need certain nutrients we need certain foods so if that is you that is okay there are other ways of fasting we can fast from electronics or social media, we can fast from various TV shows, we can fast from various foods, even if we should eat other foods, etc, etc. And uh, we can also fast from sleep for a time, again, I need to be careful. So uh, we need our sleep, we are physical beings. But one thing with fasting, one thing that all these disciplines do, is they help orient our soul towards god to worship him every day every hour and when you hear the word discipline i need to mention this briefly again we're heading towards the end of this first hour when you hear discipline you might not like that word maybe it comes to mind various experiences you had as a child that maybe at best weren't great maybe at worst were fairly abusive and you're like i don't like the word discipline remember what discipline is supposed to do. Discipline is the key to freedom. We look at various athletes uh, running races or performing a sport, and we're like, wow, that's incredible. I wish I could do that. Well, what did they do? They disciplined their body and their mind so that when the time was ready, they were free to create to move, to to be as a human being, and that opportunity only existed because of their prior discipline. So remember, that's why we discipline ourselves in our Christian walk. It's not to earn our salvation. It's not to punish ourselves. This isn't meant to be some self-flagellation. No, we discipline ourselves now so that we can enjoy the freedom that we have in Christ to our fullest potential by the will of God. It's all worship. That's the goal. And so we want to take care of our bodies. Why? It's not a vain reason. It's not, whoa, look at me. We discipline our bodies so that we can worship God more fully. We have more energy. We can, uh, when we're awake, we can stay focused. It's, it's like that. What are some other disciplines out there? I've I heard of journaling. Now, you might think of journaling and it's like, wow, that's not talked about a lot. And it's true. It does It's not the same thing as, uh, I wouldn't put it maybe on the same plane as reading our Bibles, but journaling is important to just uh, let it out. Some of us need outlets. And so we might go to our spouse and talk their ears off. That's a possibility. We might go and just uh, scream into the void that is social media. I might not encourage that. That might not always be the wisest thing. But journaling can be another type of prayer. It's like what David did in the Psalms. He would let it out through the Psalms, and uh, it was a form of worship for him. And so maybe journaling can be that way for you. And again, oftentimes, I'll bring us back to the beginning of this topic. We're in church. You're sitting there, and you kind of look around, and you're like, okay, the sermon was good, and Singing was good, and is that it? Do I just go another six days and then just do it again? No, every day we can grow closer to God, and the disciplines are the means by, uh, that God has given us, reading our Bible, praying, fasting, solitude and silence, celebrating. These are all ways that God has given us to grow closer to him. Now, maybe that's you and you've kind of hit a plateau. I would dive deep in there. And so we have uh, various good books out there. I'm thinking of The Celebration of Discipline. That's a good start. Uh, Dallas Willard is another author. And uh, let's see, what else is there? You can go to some of the um, church fathers in the early church they have a lot of good thoughts Martin Luther John Calvin again all, all, all good names now when I say that I'm not saying I agree with all of their theology again I don't want angry comments don't come at me but I'm saying they've walked the path before us and they might have some things to say along with obviously reading our Bible and we want to keep that in mind well friends this is the end of the first hour I have my senior pastor on Rev John Richter for the second hour so don't go anywhere we will We'll be talking about pastoral ministry, the highs, the lows. It's going to be a great conversation. This is Priority Talk Radio. We will be
3: right back. Hey, this is Greg, and ever since the first time I visited Israel in 1999, I've encouraged others to also experience the land of the Bible for themselves. I'm wondering if you've ever dreamed of visiting the Holy Land and walking where Jesus walked. If so, why don't you pray about touring Israel with me in the summer of 2023? We will experience a 10-day pilgrimage that will include visiting biblical sites around the Sea of Galilee and actually taking an inspirational boat ride on the same waters that Jesus walked upon. We will also visit the holy sites in the city of Jerusalem, including Golgotha and the Garden Tomb. You'll also experience the Dead Sea and many significant Old Testament sites. The Bible will come alive to you like never before. Are you interested at all? Email me. Greg at PriorityTalkRadio.com and I'll share with you much more information about this trip of a lifetime. Email me, Greg at PriorityTalkRadio.com for more information on traveling with me to the Holy Land in summer of 2023.
0: It's time to raise your voice. It's time to be heard, because everything counts, everything matters, good news, Christian values, Alabama's Christian Talk Radio, with Greg Davis. Priority Talk. Hey, hey, and welcome
1: to the second hour of Priority Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nate Williams. I am uh, taking over for Greg Davis, who's out on the road right now traveling. I have Stuart in the studio. And for this second hour, I have uh, someone who uh, has done a lot for me in my life and who means a lot uh, to me. His name is the Reverend John Richter, or Rev. John, as I call him. He's the senior pastor uh, of the church that I go to, St. John's and Coleman, and so he has agreed to come on and talk about uh, senior pastor life, and I'm very excited. Rev. John, how are you? I'm doing well, Nathan. Thanks for having me. Uh, Thanks for having me this week. This is awesome, and I'm excited. So we will, again, talk about some of the -the behind-the-scenes things of being a pastor of a church and some things that— I don't know
5: that you really want the -the behind-the-scenes (laughs) stuff. Well, I'm, joking. I'm joking.
1: Yes. You know, uh, maybe there are some things that we don't want to know about, but I'm sure you will tell us all the secrets, yes. all the things that go on behind the scenes. But first, uh, Rev. John, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
5: Well, I don't know who am I speaking to. I mean, do I, do I need to call myself a creative and an influencer or do I, I need to be really spiritual and say I'm just a child of God or should I just say... I am husband to Tiffany, father of two great kids, mostly great kids, (laughs) smallish town pastor. You know Coleman, obviously. not not a big town, not a terribly small town for Alabama, but small-ish town. Pastor, small to mid-sized church, living the dream. So it's, living, that's
1: it in a nutshell. Living the dream, and I know you. Uh, you know you got to mention Tiffany. You know she is uh, pretty awesome herself. Yes, and yes, so, she is. Yeah, so brownie points right there for the Richter household. But anyways, we're gonna jump right in and we'll talk about ministry life. Uh, so Rev John, uh, how well thinking about your time in seminary? How well did seminary prepare you for real-life, boots-on-the-ground ministry? Yeah, so
5: we're, we're talking about the pastorate, but sort of almost for most of us, or many of us at least, the pre-pastorate kind of experience. Uh, you know, first of all, I loved seminary. Um, okay. Of course, I had the great opportunity, being from Alabama, to spend some time in Southern California for three years and absolutely loved it. Uh, now, I will say this. It lacked the practicality for me that I probably need today. Now, having okay. said that, I avoided everything on the practical nature. I was all about the history, the theology, the classes, all of those things. I wasn't going to be in ministry. So, uh, my seminary experience was was a phenomenal experience but i had to pick up some things on the fly once i actually got to work got to work in the church got you so
1: maybe it didn't prepare you
5: maybe as well as you would have liked for the
1: everyday nature uh, what do you think and this is kind of a side question but it's still important what could seminaries, I guess, do better in this area to make
5: things more real for their students? Or is there anything you really could I, do? You know, most seminaries do have opportunities, and, and frankly, requirements for for being in a church, working in a church, and doing those kinds doing those kinds of things. Um, field work, as it's called, internships—I forgot what you guys called it when you—yeah, they, you went they, they through different, different names for different it, names you know. for it. So you do get those experiences, uh, but the reality is, then it's it's kind of depends on the person. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? There are some people who are people, people, and they believe in Jesus and they believe in the Bible, but they're not inclined to dig deep theologically. Mm. Then there are people who are inclined to dig very deep theologically, and they might not be so good with people. Or, yeah. or and then and there's a whole, and one of the big things this is there's a whole business side that's that is a reality you're running an organization you are running a business there is all of this side of it and unfortunately here in Birmingham I minored in UA uh, in business at UAB when I was a student there uh, and it certainly didn't prepare me but it at least gave me a few tools once I was in the role uh, of working in a church to say okay at least I at least I know what's going on in the conversation and even if I can't do things I know they need to be done but but there's that sort of practical side in many churches obviously your large church churches are going to have administrators, business managers, all of these kinds of things to help with that. But but that's that was a big it's for a lot of people that's a big hang up. It's a difficulty, it's a it's a challenge to overcome.
1: Definitely. Now, uh, if for those of you just joining us, I know we have a lot of people on the road, maybe a lot of people listening to the podcast, whatever it might be. But if you're uh, just joining us uh, on the radio, I have my senior pastor in uh, Rev. John Richter from my church in Coleman, Alabama. And so we're talking about life as a pastor. And just make sure to check out uh, our social media accounts. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Priority Talk. Make sure to listen to the podcast. If you miss anything, Priority Talk, it's on Apple and Spotify and all the major carriers. And so uh, going back to the conversation, uh, as a senior pastor, what does an average, I put that in air quotes maybe a little bit because there is no average week, but what does an average week
5: look like for you? Well, you just hit the nail on the head. I don't know that there is an average week. I can't say that I do one point, you know, X number of sermons, point four funerals point to to wedding uh, I, I, yeah. mean, I don't know if there's an average here I, you know I might describe it as life death and hope in the hereafter that's okay. that's the average week I like that a- and uh, dealing with those kinds of things you know on average there's always something to prepare for uh, whether it is teaching a class whether it's preparing for the sermon um, some kind of counseling sometimes very involved and very detailed sometimes a little more informal laid back. Uh, there are, again, those business things that we mentioned a while ago that have to be taken care of. So it, it, it's it's really such a diverse, it, in most congregations, it's such a diverse role that you play uh, that it's the average week is a little bit of everything.
1: A little bit of everything. And I know that disasters and tragedies, you can always plan those, right?
5: You've heard me before on that. It, yeah. It's, you
1: know, Thursday at 5 or something. You know when they're happening. No one has ever scheduled a crisis with me. No, no one has Ooh. ever. Yeah, that's so inconsiderate. I, I, don't, I don't know what they're, what, what are people thinking? I mean, what, what, what do, do people do? think that you're you're doing? But, uh, but anyway, They need to plan their lives better. That might be it. <laughs> what would you tell people who think that, man, you're a pastor. Pastors only work on Sundays. They, they just pop up on stage uh, and behind yeah. the pulpit. What might you say to people who, who think more like that? Because they might not see what you do uh, behind the scenes or all that. What, what might you say?
5: I well I would say why don't you give it a shot first first of all. Let's <laughs> well, why let's stuff <laughs> up. And, and do it? Oh, good, good. I was hoping for I was hoping for a little sabbatical. Maybe you could just run yeah, the church for three for you know for, yeah, you can handle three Sundays, right? Or, you know, or twelve Sundays, not a big deal, over three months. No, I mean it really would be is to say uh, people are going to think what they think. So, number one, you're not going to try to convince them, I mean, my personality, I'm going to go roll my eyes and go, okay. Um, (laughs) But the reality is, is once people do experience those times when they need spiritual counsel and guidance, there is pretty quickly a turning and changing of of attitudes. And so, people joke about that a lot. If you are one of those people who really believe that, yeah, uh, come on up, we'll we'll, we'll let you have a shot at it. But, But really, most people, once they recognize they've had that moment of crisis, once they've had that moment of need, then they say, okay, we start to see. Or if you've served in church leadership and you start serving on teams and getting more involved, you see behind the scenes, oh, there's a lot more involved than what meets the eye. So so really, for the most part, there are a few people who joke about that, but most people really do get it at the end of the day. That makes sense. Uh, Definitely. Now...
1: When it comes to all the things that a senior pastor will do, I don't know if ranking's the right word, but if you think of all the hats from preaching to teaching to counseling, what what would you say are the top couple or few priorities of all the hats of a pastor of a senior pastor if you uh, ranking might be the wrong word but how would you put that
5: I, well you know in, in our tradition you would be talking about a ministry of word and sac ministry of word and in sacrament ministry you know the, of, of baptism and communion and so is in our tradition would have a, a a particular view of that. And so at the end of the day, it's stewarding the Word of God. It's the proclamation of the gospel. First and foremost, that is always it. And then from that basis, that speaks into everything else that we do. Um, and so, yes, there is a business side that is the, uh, the necessary evil. <clears throat> not that business is evil, but it's the necessary thing. Most people don't go into the ministry hoping to deal with administration and the business side of it. That's not what draws. It does draw some, and those people are needed in the church. Uh, for sure but you know, at the end of the day it is about the Word of God first and more, foremost uh, you know declaring the promises of God um, proclaiming uh, his favor and all of all of those things that go with it.
1: Oh definitely um, I noticed that uh, being you know social media these days I know that uh, pastors that say uh, I'm not the most technologically advanced person but there has been and we'll talk about this a little later with covid and things like that the the need for uh, social media type things and live streaming and all that it's uh, you know other all, all things you can just add on to being a pastor and so as we head to our first break what uh, we're, we're going to talk about rev john's least and favorite uh, parts least favorite and favorite parts of ministry we'll get to that Uh, Y'all don't go anywhere. This is Priority Talk. Uh, I have uh, my guest on tonight is uh, Rev John Richter on the second hour. Uh, Make sure again, check out the podcast, check out our website, www.prioritytalkradio.com. And we will be right back after the break. Uh, Don't
3: change the dial. One Point USA is a security company serving churches and businesses in the state of Alabama. Don't wait until something happens to protect your employees and your valuable property. One Point USA's experienced staff understands your security needs and wants to help you before a problem arises. From video surveillance to card access control and commercial security systems, One Point USA has got you covered. Call One Point USA today at 205-701-0191. That's 205-701-0191 or visit OnePointUSA.com. That's the number OnePointUSA.com. OnePointUSA, be secure. Greg Davis here, and I want to remind you of Priority Talk's longest-running advertiser. And that's today's family dentistry, your friendly dental practice conveniently located in downtown Coleman. Make your appointment to see Dr. David Kim, Dr. Keetan, Tan, or Dr. Stephanie Young, along with an experienced and certified team of dental technicians, along with a friendly staff, I might add, who serve both children and adults with a wide range of dental services. That includes general and restorative care, along with the cosmetic enhancements to meet all of your family's dental needs. Today's Family Dentistry accepts Medicaid for children under 21, Blue Cross Blue Shield All Kids, and most commercial insurances. Give them a call today and make your appointment. 256 739 3337. That's today's family dentistry located in downtown Coleman. Call today and make your appointment 256 739 3337. Today's family dentistry in downtown Coleman. Hi, I'm Craig Rochelle, and you're listening to Greg Davis on Priority Talk Live.
4: You love it radiant armor
1: and we are back on Priority Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nate Williams. Greg Davis is out traveling. He'll be back. He's off doing a bunch of exciting things. And so in the studio with me today, it is my joy to welcome in my senior pastor, Rev. John Richter of St. John's in Coleman, Alabama. And we're just talking about ministry. So to give you a little bit of a glimpse behind you know, the scenes, because oftentimes if you are a regular member of a church, there are some aspects of church church life that you know about. You might think of the preaching and the singing and all of that, but there's a lot going on behind the scenes, a lot of meetings, a lot of planning, praying, meditating, and uh, that's what we're trying to do here tonight, uh, talking with Rev. John, just kind of seeing some, some of those things that we might not think about a lot. So, uh, Rev. John, continuing our conversation, I guess, what is your favorite part of ministry? Other than, you know, dealing with people like me. But yes, other than yes, that, yes. you know. Is there, uh, is there any higher privilege? <laughs> I, uh, I, don't,
5: I don't think there is.
1: What is your, oh, Rev. John, uh, for those of you who might not know, is also very sarcastic. And it was in full yeah. bloom right there. What is your
5: favorite part of ministry, would you say? You know, I think you know that I taught school just for a few brief years down in baton rouge louisiana before i came back to alabama and really what i like about ministry is what i liked about teaching and as much as an introvert as i am what what i want to see in in any ministry i do is you you want to see the light bulb going off for somebody and so, uh, seeing you know not only God at work in their life, revealing something, but them then opening up to it, uh, opening up to it, and being transformed by it. Mm. So at the end of the day, I mean that that is the great blessing of ministry of those opportunities. Um, Opportunities to see that kind of thing, and that, and that's that's why we're in it, right? That's why yeah. we do it. And some, obviously, if you have your evangelist, it's going to be the actual soul one and the and the counting of that, and that certainly falls into what I'm talking about. But seeing that, just so that light bulb go off, that spiritual epiphany, if you will, and like, oh. You know, this is my calling or oh, That's awesome. this is, the Lord truly does love me and or yeah. whatever, whatever it looks like. Those are the moments that, that I would live for.
1: Yeah, the, the relational aspects and some of that. Now, you mentioned that you are an introvert and that probably mm. can be tough at times being in pastoral ministry, you know, hanging out with people. And we know sometimes people are the worst part of humanity, you know, but um, I think... I don't know what else could be the worst part of humanity. other than people. Yeah, exactly. The best right. and the worst. The part best and of the worst. Humanity part is, is the people. But uh, as an introvert, what do you do to recharge? What do you do to rest a little bit, kind of get your footing back under you?
5: Yeah, and that's important. You know, it's important for all of us to do. And of course, the extrovert is the one who recharges by being with people. Uh, and 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 frankly, most. I shouldn't speak for most of us intro, most of us introverts, but I know for myself, sometimes I wish I, wish I was more extroverted. Mm. It seems like the job would be easier, but the reality is um, the other thing that I like, love about the job is the, are those moments of quiet reflection and prayer. And so, prioritizing those are are just are just it's fundamental for my survival in the ministry. And, I, and again, to your church uh, going and church member uh, audience out there, I would just help encourage you with your with your with your pastor, to encourage those moments, particularly if they're introverts, um, and frankly, if they're extroverts, too, because they need those moments of prayer and quiet reflection, maybe a little more of a struggle, but to make sure that your pastor's having those times. And so for me, that's just indispensable part of, of the work. Definitely. I think one of the problems, if you're maybe more
1: extroverted in pastoral ministry, is then taking the time to have a developing uh, personal inner life when it comes to prayer, reading your Bible. Sometimes you might so emphasize the people side of things that sometimes uh, we can forget that there is that uh, inner life, quiet life of Mm -hmm. reflection and solitude that we are to have as well. And so it, it can be a struggle both ways. But I could definitely see where being extroverted has its strengths as well. So I asked you uh, what your favorite part of ministry was. And then, as we know, to every coin, there's the other side. What is your least favorite part of ministry?
5: Uh, Death. Death. I know somebody's going to say, but we bring life. I'll I use an example recently. I was, I was having a conversation with some church members about this, and we've just been overwhelmed with funerals over the last several years. You'll recall my mom passed away in 2019, and it just seems like just prior to that and after that, there was just this flood of, of funerals. And and someone was saying, but you're the one who gets to bring the good news. That is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. And uh, and this was not done like in a, any kind of. Uh, like frustrated with me with what I was saying, but you know, but what about that side of it? And yes, we get to bring that, but when you know the people and really you're walking through people with those difficult times. Mm -hmm. So yes, you're proclaiming the hope that we have, that there is, there is, you know, life beyond what we can see. There is life after that. There is resurrection and we believe that, and that gives us strength to get through. But when you're walking with people through those moments, it could just be—it's a heavy burden at times, and and so that's you know I hate to say that's the um, when you're overwhelmed by that um, at at times, which which it can be in ministry. That's that's probably the hardest the hardest part because even though I am tend to be a thinker first, I'm a deep feeler. So in those moments, I genuinely feel the burden that people are feeling, yeah. and and after a while, that gets to be pretty soul crushing. But that goes back to those finding those times to pull away to recharge, even as Jesus did. We shouldn't feel guilty about it we should actually be actively doing it um retreating you know to a quiet place to pray Mm -hmm. and and to recharge so so that's that's a part of that and overcoming those those difficult those difficult parts of, of life in the church
1: That brings up a a kind of a side question that came to mind as you were talking. Uh, October was Pastor Appreciation Month, so to the pastors out there, I hope you feel appreciated doing the kingdom work that you do. But yeah, just, just as Rev. John was saying, pastors go through a lot emotionally and spiritually, that the average member in the church might not realize some of those burdens that they carry. So, Uh, Rev. John, I don't want to say you're speaking on behalf of all pastors, but what are some ways that a congregation or congregation members can uh, help take care of their pastors in meaningful ways? You know, let's say you're going through a tough time. Like what can people do that might help pastors feel appreciated or help you out in some way, shape or form?
5: Hello. How much time do you have? Uh, you know, we <laughs> so. have, we are
1: taking this conversation through to uh, seven o'clock. So as much time as you want.
5: No. Again, you said I can't speak for every pastor. I can speak for for myself and what I need. But I think this. What I can say is, know your pastor. Know your pastor. Um, it's a little bit like. I don't we really stand on the love language thing you know i've uh-huh. had some of those conversations before um, we often do for other people what we'd want done for ourselves that's natural tendency i i would like to say i do that i just i'm not even i'm not even good at <laughs> that side of it but um to know your pastor to know what their likes are their interests are those kinds of things and to speak into that you know i can say for me personally frankly make the life of the church priority in your life Mm. Um, obviously, your presence, uh, your support, that goes a long way. I think at the end of the day, that's what most of us want is to buy into the mission and vision of the congregation, of the church, and, and to, to jump on board and go with that. And so that would be first and foremost. But then it, it really is the individual. And so so for me, it comes back to those things. I love to travel. I love I love to eat. Um, So things that, you know, revolve around those are always good for me. But that's not everybody. Mm. You know, that's not everybody. And so I would say this, you know, I said, discern who your pastor is, know who he, uh, who your church leaders are that you want to honor, whether, you know, whatever role they're in. And if you haven't done anything in the month of October, if you didn't do anything in the month of October, because we're in November now, um, it's not too late. And if you did, you don't have to wait another full year to say thank you.
1: Oh, I thought I could only appreciate she, my pastor yeah. in October. So yes, I, missed yes. you missed, you missed I missed it. You missed it. I missed it for yeah, a year. Yeah. I yeah, have your w- name's on the list. You're on my, you're on my list. So. <laughs> Before I ever say something nice to my pastor, I have to wait till October now, yes. unfortunately. Yes. But no, those are those are good things to uh, keep in mind because uh, really the numbers were not great before COVID, but particularly after COVID, when it comes to pastoral burnout, when it comes to mm-hmm. people being tired, like it is a real thing. And so there are a lot of pastors out there fighting. Uh, they're they're isolated. They feel lonely. And uh, just some encouragement, some some appropriate whatever it might be, gifts or appropriate words, whatever is needed. In the moment they need that and so we don't want our pastors fighting alone thinking like uh, what good am I doing is there is am I having an impact uh, am I wasting my time and uh, there's
5: also the the those questions have never crossed my mind are you saying that I'm wasting my time and I'm not having an impact
1: uh, yeah, Rev John <laughs> clearly I am saying that no, definitely you have no, not done a no single, single good thing, thing in oh, your years and years thanks, of thanks. ministry. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it just... Uh, and also, one thing that's sometimes overlooked is ministry can be taxing on the family as well. Yeah, yeah. It can be taxing on mi- uh, marriage. It can be taxing with the children. There have been lots of pastor's kids who, that when they grew up, they left the church because they saw how the church treated their parents. And so there there can be just a lot of things there that we, as, as, as church members, we need to make sure that... Uh, a, a, in appropriate ways we try to help out in those areas and that's
5: actually a great point there is and i'm glad you brought that up and i don't know if you how much experience you've had with that but my wife um you've heard some of these stories before she grew up her, her her dad was in the ministry both of her grandfathers in the ministry multiple uncles in the ministry the last thing she was ever going to marry with somebody in in the, the ministry. ministry and and as she say you know says you know I, I tricked her and i said well that was the lord's plan not not certainly not mine
4: the uab football season is in full swing and tickets are on sale now to see your blazers in action at protective stadium visit uabsports.com to grab your tickets and stay updated on all of the latest information about upcoming games great promotions and deals for the whole family Single game tickets started just twenty dollars. Grab your seats today at uabsports.com. Don't miss a minute of the action. UAB Blazer football tickets on sale now at uabsports.com. UAB football win is won.
2: And now back to priority talk with Greg Davis. My life be like. Ooh,
0: wow, yeah. Ooh, my life be like.
3: Welcome
1: to Priority Talk. We are now about halfway through the second hour, heading towards seven o'clock. And uh, if y'all do not know this, Priority Talk airs Monday through Friday It airs from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. And if you miss anything, make sure to check out our podcast, Priority Talk. It's on uh, most major uh, podcast carriers. Make sure y'all follow us on social media at Priority Talk. And so Greg Davis is out traveling, doing some very exciting things. Uh, And so we want to pray for him as he's out. I'm in the studio with Stuart, holding it down, making sure everything sounds good in the back. He does a great job. And I'm with my senior pastor, Ray. Rev John Richter uh, of our our church in Coleman, Alabama, St. John's, and so yeah, we're having a great time tonight, and I'm going to keep this conversation going with uh, I'm sure Rev John's favorite topic, something that pastors love when they encounter. It's just so energizing and uplifting. Uh, So, how do you handle? conflicts in the church, you know, when there's infighting and all that, which never
5: happens, I'm sure. But how? I think how my blood do? pressure is going up thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> the blood pressure goes up. <laughs> yes. The next tightening up. I, how do you handle it? I, prayerfully, that's the churchy answer, I guess, but it's, but it's certainly accurate. Yeah, You're handle yeah, it prayerfully. Prayerfully. And, and so for me, I, I tend to probably move too slow. I'm getting you if I'm looking at answers. But it just takes a lot. Sometimes it takes some waiting and discerning. How significant of an issue is this really? Hmm. So I had a... a, a, uh... So you just put me on the spot, because how do you talk about uh, resolving conflict without actually talking about conflict? Can can you just go very vague and (laughs) big picture with an example? I mean, so people get upset sometimes for uh, legitimate reasons, sometimes for illegitimate reasons. Sometimes they're upset for legitimate reasons, but then the um, sort of the object of their wrath or frustration is misplaced or unfairly, unfairly Mm. placed. So that's why sometimes you just want to, you got to wait, be patient. You've got to see the big picture. You have to... In a sense you want to you want to feel what people are feeling and, and see from their perspective but then be able to see it from you know that larger view of see beyond what they're saying so i got a call the other day uh, of, of, of a complaint about some things that were handled uh, locally and i just said you know that sounds like a lot bigger issue than this is not even a good example because i just can't share enough of it it was a legitimate concern yeah. it wasn't this wasn't within the church itself per se but it was a legitimate concern a legitimate reason to be frustrated but then where the blame was being placed it was like wait a second this issue is a lot bigger than that the, yeah and and so let's just sort of step back and it ended up being a good conversation um and, and that kind of thing the, the hard one to deal with though is is, is really is divorce uh-huh. and again, again it's way to honor your pastor if you were talking about that a while ago is my former pastor who was the pastor before i was the pastor at st john's he used to say that you know by the time people come to us for uh marital counseling it's too late uh-huh. it's as if they want you to wave the magic wand and make it better and so those are the conflict and, and i think it's absolutely what i've seen at least in my case is often the case is as yeah. often true as yeah. well it's like okay you've had these issues for x number of months x number of years and now we're at a breaking point and there is no magic wand there is hard work so Rev
1: John, are you telling me that it is wise if if you're in a marriage and you see some cracks coming up, you see some weeds growing where they're not supposed to be? Are you meaning to tell me that it's wise to get that looked at sooner
5: rather than later? You're so smart. I don't know how you caught on so quickly. That wow, was... <laughs> I get an A. I, I, I handled that. We may. Well, you may get canceled for the sarcasm on this <laughs> on uh, this episode. You know, but it, but it is true. Is to deal with those things. Early on, and and, and so because as, again as a pastor the probably the thing that breaks my heart the most um, certainly uh, those health diagnoses that come in that are that are that are going to that are just that are heartbreaking those are awful but the other one that is is divorce hmm. and so that's that's again a, a different kind of that's a conflict within the church it's not a conflict yeah. it, you know with with the church per se yeah um, and so. Th- all those things to say, just be you know to preempt, Like you said, to, when when you start to see the crack, when well, let's be honest, yeah. be honest, be honest with each other. Say, hey, we might need to have some conversations here. There's some things we could work through. Um, and so that's on the on the conflict side. And I'm sort of taking it a different direction than you probably probably intended. We, um, but we hate. I hate seeing those things. And, and that's why we're here—is to have those kind of counseling to, again to speak, you know, God's word into those situations in people's lives, so that they can find the healing and reconciliation that they that they pledge themselves to ultimately in their wedding vows.
1: Yeah, that that's true. So. How do you handle uh, again just a question that kind of popped to my mind as you were talking how do you handle uh, people like criticism against you you get uh, i'm sure nasty emails from are you, time are to you time. saying people
5: criticize me no, no hypothetically if that <laughs> oh, ever well, hypothetical. uh, hypothetically, well, hypothetically if you hypothetically, ever hypothetically, were to get some criticism um, how, how do you handle that personally Again, there would be some examples that I probably don't need to don't need to share, but <laughs> but really, so let's say this, and this does happen from time to time in congregations. I mean, and, and I want to say this about church life, and that is, the expectation going in is that it is ministry with and to imperfect people. The whole one of the whole premises here is mm-hmm. that we are broken. Yes. So you're going in the church. We are going to deal with conflict. To expect otherwise would be to not have a realistic view of humanity. We are going to take criticism um, more often. Well, rightly and wrongly. I'd like to. I would like to think more often wrongly than not. <laughs> yeah. um, so it is. Those things are simply going to happen. And I think for me it is recognizing. That, well, we're just all a bunch of sinful wretches. What should I expect? Yeah. Uh, So sometimes having a a realistic view uh, of humanity. So now, Tiffany, my wife, is the one who gets, if any criticism comes my way, she gets, you know, she gets in in bulldog mode at that point. So she doesn't like it. Of course, I don't like it. And yes, it can be hurtful. But the reality is, as you step back and you say, and you ask those questions, what, and this I think applies to any time any of us are criticized. What is prompting them, what is prompting this person to act that way? Mm. Why are they doing Some of the words you, again, sometimes their accusations, their criticisms are misplaced. It's coming from something else, somewhere else in their life. Um, oftentimes, I'm not saying we're perfect and do everything correctly, um, but oftentimes that is the case. So you say, why would they be making that criticism? What's going on with them? And trying to see their criticisms, criticisms of you from their perspective. They're broken people. Mm. We have no reason to lash out against others um, in, in sort of vitriolic anger yeah. or, 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 or in hypercritical ways, you know, 90% of the time, if not yeah. more. If not more. Yeah. So what's going on in their heart? And so for me to be able to step back and say, okay, um, what's going on in them that's making them act right this way? They really have a problem that maybe I need to be compassionate towards. Yeah, definitely. Doesn't make it fun. Yeah, but it doesn't, but it doesn't make, doesn't it, make it, fun. it fun. But that, is, but that is reality. Yeah, we
1: just love it when people criticize us, and this is where you know Christians are very good at being passive aggressive sometimes. Yes, and so I'm sure uh, pastors responding in a passive aggressive email is probably discouraged. Uh, you know, just uh, try not to do that as best you can.
5: Yeah, and let's let's be honest on that. I mean, and it, this does happen periodically from churches. Uh, is the anonymous letter?
1: The anonymous let me t- letter. Let
5: me tell you where that goes (laughs) where does it go it goes straight to the trash can Mm -hmm. so if you so there are constructive ways to deal with concerns and again sometimes it's a learning curve on how to do that you know you may have a legitimate concern um, with your congregation with your with your pastor but learning to do that in a mature way that seeks the best of the congregation and in a loving way not easy but is, is how those things should be handled
1: uh, definitely. So we have a, a few minutes before the break, and so uh, we, we won't talk on this like super long, but when it comes to preparing a sermon topic, sermon series, let's say we're, we're heading into 2023. It's coming up real fast. Kind of how do you go through that process of coming up with sermon series for the next year or so?
5: Well, so for me, I think there's three Well, two things you do broadly. You read and you pray. Read and you, read, you, pray. you read and you pray, and then for me, what we mean by reading is you read the Bible. Obviously, you're in the Word. You read the Bible, you read the congregation, and along with that, read the culture. And so, for me, that's how I approach it: is where Where are we? Um, you know, where Where am I? Number one in my headspace, and I don't certainly don't want to preach. I will find that my best sermons are probably the sermons I'm preaching to myself, okay. or I'm angry. This is odd. That's another, we, can, we can we can we can evaluate <laughs> hurt, me psychologically at another time. But I feel like those are my best sermons. Um, but really, you want to sort of know where you where 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 I am in the process, where I am spiritually. But because I, I don't want that to be forced on a congregation, but certainly where I am might be indicative of where they are as well. So, so you're going to start with the Bible. You're going to take a look at yourself. You're going to obviously, along with yourself, read the congregation as a whole. Where are we? What are we struggling with? What um, what is it we're facing next? Where are we in the life and the history of our congregation? And then and then read in the, um, in the culture as well, what's happening out there that is affecting us um, in here and affecting our witness as we go out there.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great way of looking at it. reading, reading the word, reading the congregation, reading the culture. And then I guess also as a pastor, it doesn't hurt to be well-read, just reading books in general from people ages past or, or the current culture, whatever it might be. Being well-read helps To uh, Speaking of which, it's kind of a pop question. Uh, do you have a, a favorite author, someone that you, you know, they come out with a book, you're excited to see it, or maybe, maybe it's someone from the past. Does anyone come to mind that like an author that you like?
5: There is no one author that I feel like Oh, I've gotta read this. There are lots of people that I enjoy, things they see, but over sort of the course of of my life there are books by different authors who have made a significant impact. Mm. Yeah. And so I don't know that there's one author. I mean, obviously, I loved everything that I'd ever read by Eugene Peterson, yeah. uh, Tim Keller. You know, you're going to go back and read excerpts, you know, here and there. You know, C.S. Lewis, obviously, you know, again, would be another another great one. I feel like those are all very cliche. Uh, that's okay. I was about <laughs> but, to say, um, I, I like reading but, uh, Tim uh, Keller, C.S. And, Lewis. And so but it, but but they don't. Necessarily feel like oh I've got to go get the next book either. Got you. Um, yeah. And so really what you said a, a broad um, array uh, you know a, a broad library is ultimately what what i think is most helpful
1: yeah definitely and so uh, we'll be back after the break we'll keep this conversation going what we'll move to next with our last section of this second hour as we head to seven o'clock we're going to talk a little bit about the impact of covid on the church and kind of just how things have changed and so don't go anywhere we're talking to my senior pastor rev john richter and uh, we will be back this is priority talk radio
5: Hi, this is Bob Lapine. I hope you're benefiting from listening to Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Our daily program comes to you by way of your fellow listeners, listeners called Truth Partners. It's their monthly giving that cares for the cost of distributing Alistair's teaching to local stations like this one. So today, will you pass
3: their generosity forward? Will you become a Truth Partner and help bring the gospel to others? Sign up at truthforlife.org slash Truth Partners.
2: Enduring with hope. WXJC. Often marketing agencies make high promises with low delivery. Business owners have been burnt by these types of companies time and time again. Dot Edison Marketing is built on integrity. They retain customers four times the industry average. Move past multiple vendors. Lost time. Lost money. Contact Marketing and find your marketing partner with integrity at its core. Call them at 205-332-3728 or go to their website at .Edison.com.
3: This is Greg and I want you to know about my friend Jeff Harding and Alabama Reliable Roofing. Your local roofing expert since 1998, Alabama Reliable Roofing provides residential and commercial clients with exceptional roofing services. Jeff and his experienced team are well equipped to provide repairs and installations of shingle and metal roofs. Look, I know the importance of a roof and that it's one of the biggest investments you make in your home place of business, or church facilities. Alabama Reliable Roofing understands this as well and has the experience to work with your insurance company in case of storm damage. So whether your roof has suffered from storm damage and needs repairs, or it just may be time for a new roof, you need an inspection to determine the next steps. Company owner Jeff Harding is waiting on your phone call and will be personally involved with every job. Call him at 205-369-9630 for a no-obligation conversation and a free estimate. Look at their work on the Alabama Reliable Roofing Facebook page and then call Jeff at 205-369-9630. Alabama Reliable Roofing, 205-369-9630.
5: Hi, this is Pastor Colin Smith from Unlocking the Bible, and you are listening to Greg Davis on
0: Priority Talk.
1: Welcome back to Priority Talk Radio. This is the second hour from 6 to 7. We are finishing up. This is the last section. I am Nate Williams in the studio with Stuart holding it down. Uh, Greg Davis is out traveling, so we want to be praying for him as he's out and about. And now I have my senior pastor, Rev. John Richter of St. John's in Coleman, Alabama, who uh, has joined me. Has been kind enough to join me as we talk about pastoral ministry and some things that uh, we might not realize or things we need to know about pastoral ministry. And I've ha- I've very much enjoyed this. So we're going to continue the conversation. Uh, so. We recently went through COVID, and COVID's still here, but it just in different ways than it was in 2020. Uh, maybe a little bit, a little bit different now at this point. How did COVID impact churches? In your opinion, like what? Well, what are your thoughts on COVID and the church?
5: Are you again just trying to make my blood pressure? We'll talk about con- let's talk about all the bad things. Let's talk about uh, conflict and let's talk about COVID. All the good stuff from the last from the last. But remember, what does the gospel do with bad things? <laughs> it does. That's right. That that's redeems right. Redeems no, no, actually, I think that's a good word to use there. What COVID has, what COVID I think will do. I think number one, I'm not sure we know. We know on the short term, it hit for I can say for our congregation at least people in our a tradition like ours, it has changed attendance patterns. That's why I said right now if you want a way to to encourage and support your pastor uh, go, go, go. let let him know that you actually love Jesus and the church. That's a great starting That's, point. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, we we have weathered the storm well, but are we the same as we were um, prior to? No, we, you know, we're certainly we're certainly not. So, I think what COVID has done is you know, number one, it, it's made us weary. The decision fatigue, and, and some people have probably recovered better than that, certainly, or faster than I have, but the, the decision fatigue of trying to figure out what is the right thing to do. Because this is not only a, 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 a serious and genuine health topic, it became a volatile political issue. And we were mm-hmm. caught in the middle, and the church is sort of caught in the middle of that. And everybody's got strong opinions on what we should do. But I, I think so what, what COVID will have done that might be good for the long run is okay. exposed some weaknesses. Okay. Uh, so in our congregation, we say, okay, here were some weaknesses we had. In other words, we haven't bounced back. It's, it, it suggests there was a weakness somewhere. Um, we're either not as committed as we thought we were. We're not as strong in this area as we thought we were. So I think that redemption side of this story is that, okay, Here's where here's where we're weak. So let us seek the Lord. Let us surrender to Him, and let you know, and to, to to grow in strength in those areas. So I think that is one thing that, if we're going to put a positive slant on it, um, that would be a thing that happens. Having said that, I would rather not have gone through it <laughs> myself. That's true. That's but, true. Uh, but I do think that is a a positive way to look at, at the last few years. Is okay when you know your weakness, then you can correct the weakness.
1: And I think, uh, you know, I'm sure you have some thoughts on this. Another part of what COVID did was COVID exposed a lot of like the South's kind of Christendom, you know, uh, this cultural Christianity of, well... I went to church because that's just kind of what you do in the South. And then once COVID happened, that was exposed a little bit and, and, and habits were disrupted, lifestyles were changed, and I think that may have impacted the church to, to where people hadn't asked had to ask themselves an honest question. Am I going to church for the right reasons, the biblical reasons, to be, you know, to worship God, to grow in community, mm-hmm. to glorify God, to get. Together, or am I going to church because, well, it's just kind of what I grew up doing? And then the the moment I had an excuse, an opportunity to not do that, yeah. I'm gone. So do you have any thoughts yeah, you, on that?
5: You know, I, I think you're on to something and you probably said it a little more cynically than I than I would, which is surprising. Huh. But I think it's even I think it comes down to lordship. So I, I think I think those people are. So my first experience with seeing this, this notion of, of, of Christendom is when I was in Southern California. Mm. And I realized, you know what? If you go to church in California out of habit, it is still countercultural. Uh-huh. You know, as I say, even, even, if, even if you're not, your faith is weak or you're just very, on, very much on the periphery, the very fact you would do that. Mm-hmm. um and this is ooh, a few years ago um, that that I was Just there a few but years but, ago. but that was the first thing i noticed it's like most people aren't going here mm-hmm. so to your point yes i think that is what has been exposed and i think what that comes down to then is is, is this notion of do we surrender to christ as lord and i think so yeah you you're digging a little deeper diving a little deeper than i was going to on this so kudos to you for that is where who are we worshipping because we're worshiping, we're worshiping somebody, yeah. and so are we surrendering to Christ as Lord and getting out of the habit allowed us to flood our schedules and our time with all sorts of other things and all sorts of new habits. And you know, people will talk about it's just you know I really need some rest on Sunday. Why? Mm. What's happening the rest of the week with your time um, that? all of a sudden, these moments of gathering as the community of faith are no longer prioritized. So I think it exposes yes, where um, what does it mean again, I want to be very careful with my language here uh, what does it mean to surrender to Jesus as Lord uh-huh. and, and of course Church attendance is only one worship is only one small, uh, very important, very important and fundamental and central part of the faith. But it's only one part. But that being sort of the primary metric we usually use, you know, uh, for 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 how engaged we are as a church.
1: All right, Rev John, uh, putting on our uh, George Barna Pew Research. Polster glasses on for a moment, predicting trends and all that. What does the future of the church in America look like to you? If you could make some predictions or maybe not predictions, some thoughts, however bold you want to be with this question, what does the future of the church in America look like to you? First
5: and foremost is there is a future. Yes. And so that's the good news. So we can cling to that. Where it gets scary, I think, for most in the ministry, and I have a friend who had to close his church recently, he went in prior to speaking of COVID and the impact. He went to his congregation, um, a congregation that would needed renewal prior to COVID. COVID hits people disperse, as you pointed out, and all of a sudden that church can no longer be renewed. Oh. So, you know, th- there, there has been some heartache from that, but the reality is there is a future. And again, the scary part is what does the future mean for our congregation? I said somewhat cynically, I'm going to get somebody, you're going to get hate mail for this. Maybe it won't be anonymous letters. <laughs> I, I, I said this off the cuff, and I'm not even sure I agree with it. I don't agree with it, but I'm just wondering a few years ago to our, our, our a mutual friend of ours, I said the mega church. I wonder if it's the savior of Christianity in America or the last gasp of Christianity in America. Huh. Of course, neither one of those is true. Yeah. Um, however, that is the trend, right? The church is, is the large church with all of the offerings. Um, I don't know that the the future of the church, what it's going to look like. I think what I'm wondering is if our metrics are going to be different. Ah, uh, okay. We, we live in a world that in our our metrics have always you know our 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 attendance you know numbers and and offering things of which obviously we should be, we should worship God. That's what we're created to do. And, and yes, we are created to be generous even to the church. But I'm wondering if we're going to start looking more at small groups. And I know small groups aren't new, but I'm talking about genuine mentorship, genuine discipleship. Mm. Um, and frankly, if that is something that will, is born out of, of COVID, coming back to that question, and that becomes part of our future, that speaks well to a deep and abiding um, uh, faith. Uh, of our people and in the future of the church in America.
1: No, that's that's a great answer. So we're going to finish out this conversation with a final question. You are you have before you uh, hypothetically, a hypothetically a teenager or a young adult who's considering vocational ministry, whether it's seminary or not, whatever that looks like. First, uh, it getting an internship. I don't know. So to this hypothetical mm-hmm. uh, young adult considering vocational ministry. What do you tell them?
5: What Spurgeon say? If you can do anything else, do it. Is that what Spurgeon that <laughs> if said? If <laughs> you can do anything else, do it. Do anything else, do it. I would say number one. I would say you need to take that quite seriously. I mean, I, I think we need Christians in every vocation. That sphere of influence needs to be in every sector of society. So I would say first and foremost, you do not have to be in vocational Christian ministry to be a faithful witness. And I'll use an example. I have a. a this is. A, this is not hypothetical. I have a, a cousin who's a coach and has thought about going into ministry. That's wonderful. Now, again, this is not a teenager, but yeah, I, said, I said, depending on what you want to accomplish, depending on what you're hoping to see from your life in ministry, you might have a much more captive and responsive audience in the education system
0: mm.
5: on the field than you have in the church. Depending on what your number one, what your call is, but also your giftings and those and those things, and so and then otherwise, I would say the church, though, is God's gift to us to bring uh, to bring hope and the good news of the of salvation, the good news of the gospel to the world. So it is a high and joyous calling. You should certainly consider it and take those steps. I think everybody should go to seminary. It's great fun. Uh, it's also a lot of work. So go ahead and, and do that. And a lot it. of money. You know, and a lot of money and a lot of money. Go ahead and do that and, and find those internships to see, but don't feel like that's where you have to serve. However, we do need young people going in, into the ministry. And again, and I, I know in our tradition that um, we are aging quickly and we need young people to do it. It's certainly worth the consideration and exploration.
1: No, that's, that's another great answer. Rev. John, we are just about out of time. We're heading right towards the seven o'clock hour. And so uh, thanks for joining me. This was a lot of fun.
5: Thank you. I'm glad you uh, glad you had me had me on, and maybe we'll do it again sometime.
1: Definitely. Well, friends, uh, that's all for Priority Talk. I'm your host Nate Williams. Uh, y'all make sure you're driving safe. Make sure you are uh, worshiping our Savior Jesus Christ. See you on Sunday mornings, right? And uh, y'all have a good night.